0: But maybe I've been wrong all these years And it took your inspiring speech to make me see it You've really changed me It's it's beautiful I think we got a hug Get ready For the human race I like that tagline It's It's a solid tagline Yeah Hello everyone. Although there's not really a race in this movie. I mean, I guess there's they're trying to get somewhere. No, but... no, there's there's a
1: little bit in the third act it, it totally becomes like a, a three way yeah. race. Yeah.
0: Turns Breaks to the finish. Those movies.
1: Yeah. Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Retrospectives. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. That's me. It's uh, it's failed blockbuster season. We're winding down. We're in the second half of this. Uh, turns out we're gonna do ten. We plan to do like three, four, maybe <laughs> five, but nope. It's a whole, it's a whole miniseries
0: now. Yay! We did it. We did it, America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't really have any way to tee this up. We're here to talk about Titan A.E. A I guess film the... that is like the definition of unfortunately a failed blockbuster
0: yeah this might be i'm trying to think this is of the ones we're doing this is the most catastrophic of the blockbusters we're gonna talk about in terms of the impact that's failure left
1: yeah it's like this and like cutthroat island that might be the biggest like hollywood bombs
0: we're never doing cutthroat island um i don't think i've seen it uh, you might have seen it, and then don't remember it, because yeah. it's one of those apologies
1: movies. to Rennie Harlan, a director whose work I appreciate more and more as I get older.
0: That's the thing, you'll watch it, though, and you'll be like, someone else directed this, because it's just, there's, it's a big nothing movie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's shocking about it.
1: Yeah, like, I recently came around, like, on Nightmare 4 in, like, a huge way, like, it might be, like, top three in the series for me, like, honestly, at this point. But... <laughs> Maybe we'll skip out on that one. But we're we're yeah. not we're not talking about the nightmare films.
0: We're not yet.
1: Yeah, that, that would probably happen at some point.
0: <laughs> that could I that's one of those series you could totally, totally do. Yeah. Um other than we'd have to talk I like the sad thing is I don't want to do it until someone goes like, Hey, Robert Englund's only gonna be alive for a little while longer. Let's just get one more <laughs> nightmare movie out of him.
1: Uh Craven's estate, they're 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 apparently taking pitches and stuff, so
0: yeah, but fucking, it's gotta be Robert England, you know? No, no, but, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That that yeah. definitely has to happen. Um,
0: Robert England like is he's...
1: not in this film, though.
0: No, he is not. No, it's um...
1: Titan A.E. Like I said, directed by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman, uh, maybe the most two thousands animated film ever. Uh, it's this isn't that weird of a film, and it totally makes sense why it bombed. Cause it it's a little more like violent it's a little darker it's about the extinction of humanity uh it it kind of looks like something that you would you'd catch on like toonami back in the day also yeah
0: i feel like the reason this movie bombed it maybe when whenever toonami got in the full swing if there had been ads all over toonami for this it would have at least turned a profit (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it does feel like it's targeting that market um although you talk about uh, it being a little more mature, a little darker. Well, someone did not inform my mother when I was seven years old <laughs> and taken to a theater, not knowing what this movie was. I think my mother just saw a poster and was like, oh, cartoon. <laughs> and I went to see this. And, uh, as a child, I had, uh, a lot of anxiety about, uh, world-ending movies. <laughs> it was one of the things that, like, really got to me. So, this movie was, uh... Horrible nightmare experience as a child. Uh, I'm glad those anxieties about the end of the world have totally gone away, though, in my adult life. And, uh, <laughs> you know what movie fucked me up forever? The movie that did it, it was Armageddon. Oh, as, God. As, Armageddon as a child, and it, like, fucked me up. <laughs> Thanks, JJ Abrams. Yeah, JJ. Yeah. Do
1: you know the story about him writing that
0: movie? no i do not
1: okay if if i brought up in the podcast before i apologize um but so there's jj abrams and his pals go to see a movie right like there's like a year out of production from armageddon hasn't even started yet right Uh and uh then he sees a teaser trailer coming soon armageddon from director michael bay and jj goes to his friend i should probably start writing that whoa yeah apparently that's real
0: That's crazy. That's like an
1: Alien 3 type situation. So, like Michael Bay's The Island, it's kind of amazing that movie even works in, like, any capacity.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Would you say Titan A.E. works in any capacity?
0: Um... I think the animation's real nice. Uh, I don't know if this is a good movie, though. (laughs) I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. It's a little... generic... It's a little uh forgettable. There's some great anime. It's it feels more like a show reel of a movie, you know? Like it like hits all is, the
1: beats of a story, right? It has
0: all the beats of a story, it has all the, it has all the working elements of a story. And it feels more like all of that is just to show off like, "Hey, look what we can do with animation." That's mm-hmm. what this movie feels like it's trying to do. Yeah. And but uh, aside from that, I don't know. It's 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 a little forgettable. I've just watched it twice in the last three days, and like already huge chunks of it feel like they're leaving my brain.
1: Yeah, I saw it with the commentary for the first time on the DVD I owned because this is like, this is one of the 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 pinnacle cult classics for I think like millennials. Mm-hmm. I think if you talk to a lot of millennials that like animated films, you reference this, if they don't know it off the back of their hand, they'll be like, oh yeah, I rented this from Hollywood Video or something like that. Or <laughs> I remember the poster, or the trailer set to the band Creed <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for some reason. Creed is not in the soundtrack for the this soundtrack film. The soundtrack
0: for this is one of the bigger mistakes, in my opinion.
1: We'll, we'll get into that. Um... I will say I have a clear bias for this film because this is something I try not to get, like, too whimsically, like, nostalgic about older properties, but this is definitely one that hit me, like, at that pivotal age in my youth, and so I'm always going to have an appreciation for it. That being said, I still love this movie. All right. Your criticisms are absolutely correct, but I think, like, for, for an animated film like experience like for a science fiction adventure i i adore watching this movie it is criminal that there is no blu-ray release for this i think it would look stunning i would kill for a 4k even but you know i'm gonna take the ones where i can get them disney that owns this property now (laughs) um i love this movie
0: well that's that's uh you know i can't even like argue with you (laughs) like it's I think we talked about this before in another episode where we talked about how for animation nerds, like, every animated movie is, like, loved by someone, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, there's, like, a huge... Every movie has some sort of fan base. So I'm not shocked that this one's a cult classic, especially because there's not really that many other animated films like it. Other than there's... This is, like, I think the first in a wave of like, trying to do serious animated films. Yeah. There's, like, Titan A.E., there's that Final Fantasy movie that no one remembers. Oh, people remember it. I mean... <laughs> they will let you know that they remember it. <laughs> I, I, I should watch it one of these days. I've
1: never seen it. Uh, it I, I I haven't seen it, so this isn't, like, me being facetious or, like, snarky, but, mm-hmm. like, it did blow my mind when I saw it, like, in sixth grade or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, like, you just don't see stuff like that at that age, right? And now that's yeah. more commonplace... So I, I can't speak to the quality of it holding up but I do remember being like whoa what the fuck. Yeah. Um, so, you know, take that. Do you remember that the uh,
0: the lead actress, like the digital character of like it's like a female protagonist in that movie. She was in like a like I think Maxim magazine did like a cover of like the fictional character. Do you remember this? Oh, Hatsune Miku. No, yeah. um, no, no, I don't remember that at all.
1: I just remember Hatsune Miku because of uh, the David Letterman appearance. Oh, yeah. That was insane.
0: Yes. No, but I'm talking... I, it was like one of those things where it was like the first fictional character to, like, be on the cover of a magazine or something like that. Like I
1: don't remember that, and some... that's, that's very bizarre,
0: if you ask yeah. me. Well, that's, they were trying to figure out how to advertise these movies, and they never really cracked it. Because Titan A.E., Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, and Treasure Planet are all, like, notorious bombs. Hmm. Like, none of them did well. And a lot of them, like, killed huge chunks of the industry. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of nuts to think about. And it's weird where it feels like, you know, they never really tried again to do the serious animated film other than when they import... uh, japanese animated films you know yeah isn't the number one highest grossing film of last year something an anime film probably wasn't it some let me look it up yeah demon slayer oh that was like a huge hit yeah it made 500 million whoa really Yeah. yeah and it's still it's still making money i guess that's
1: you know, good for them, because that's yeah.
0: fucking nuts. But will that be that, like, we talked about this on another episode of, like, how anime has, hasn't has totally taken off yet as, like, a mainstream thing. hmm Will that be the beginning of the end? Like, is this gonna, are all the studios looking at the money Demon Slayer's bringing in and being like, get every anime property we can get a hold of right now?
1: Ooh, I, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think like, just because their eye's still on the Marvel ball... Mm-hmm. You know, and and if, uh, if Black but Widow's any there's... indication that that's not going to last much longer, so maybe I... I don't I don't know. I think it's but too think early to tell. But I think there's a
0: weird convergence happening with like Marvel and animated films because also we're seeing like animated shows are kind of going mainstream a little bit. Like we have Invincibles being watched by actual adult people, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I I get the feeling that something's some shift's coming where. We're just gonna start seeing animated superhero type movies. That would be pretty cool. I, I think and that is the, the the way to do them. Well, I was I was watching. Uh, I saw Black Widow, and uh, the action in it was pretty bad. <coughs> but as I was watching it, I was also like, you know, if this was a cartoon, I'd probably defend it. Like, <laughs> like animation just doing ridiculous because they're basically cartoons at this point. Hmm. You know, when you watch like the big CGI sequences where people are like falling thousands of feet and punching other people, yeah, like it's it might as well be a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, I think know... you're actually
1: using that like in a positive manner. Am I correct?
0: I mean, kind of. Okay, okay, it's... Cool.
1: If if not for those films being what they were, like let's say Black Widow was a standalone film, cut out the Marvel stuff, you would you would use that as a positive, right?
0: Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where like they talk about how the Marvel films they start. Like pre vising the action scenes before they even have a script or a movie
1: or a director
0: or a direct like anything like yeah. why not just let those people make a movie you mm-hmm. know like 90 minutes let the digital people just make a totally digital film
1: yeah like we're talking we'll, we'll talk our smack but I, I swear if Kevin Feige was like okay the last Marvel movie ever the world's ending I'll direct it I bet it would even be pretty good because he's the one guiding the ship, right? And, like, yeah. that obviously has its pros and cons, as we've often discussed, but I I think he could do a good job.
0: Yeah. You know? And you know what I was thinking? Again, watching Black Widow in theaters, which is not what we're here to talk about. No, Like, no. I... If there was one Marvel movie a year, I would probably defend them, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're all just functioning enough <laughs> to be like, okay, you know? And it scratches a particular itch, like, I'm fine. But the fact that it's, like it's getting up to like four or five of these fucking things a year and they're all the same and then they're the most dominant films on the market it like destroys any goodwill
1: yeah well there's three more in 2021 alone which is like that's that's nuts that's too much i'm sorry that's it's it's crazy whereas titan ae titan ae a film i i actually do really
0: love and have a lot to say about I'm willing to go to Batford a little more, even when I have questions about some of the choices. Mm-hmm. Well, it's
1: funny that you mentioned uh, off the bat that you, you felt it was a film that was more about the animation than the story in a way. Right. Like, yes, this was originally going to be a live action film.
0: I'm aware of that, and it was one of those things where it kept getting put in a turnaround. Everyone's favorite dork monster, Joss Whedon, took a pass at it at a certain point.
1: Yeah, and apparently a lot of the dialogue is his.
0: Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, I did not pick up on that at all. I I didn't... Oh, you mean the part where they're like... You know how stupid it is to hide an event, right? You mean that was written by <laughs> Joss Whedon, probably? I never could have guessed that.
1: Well, I... <laughs> I listened to the commentary for the first time, and and Don Bluth and Gary Goldman made sure to point out like uh, some of the scenes that were his, and they they unfortunately speak very highly of him.
0: Yeah, you know, he's probably this is probably an era where he was an okay collaborator.
1: Yeah, when he 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 didn't run people's lives into the ground.
0: Yeah, yeah, where he wasn't like I'm fucking Josh Whedon.
1: Yeah, it's like calm down, dude. you're yeah. you're, you're a balding white man in your fifties.
0: You made Buffy with, like, a team of people. Like, you're not not some genius.
1: There's a reason Drew Goddard was nominated for an Oscar, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, hey, uh, doesn't Whedon have an Oscar nom? Because he was one of, like, the 17 people who wrote Toy Story. fuck.
1: (sighs) Moving on (laughs) to more positive avenues. Uh, This film had spent, like, $30 million in in development when it was going to be a live-action film. And then, like, no turnaround was happening like it, well, the it, movie, people like lost jobs because they just couldn't get this film working in live action
0: and it's a movie that's just too uh generic to really justify being live action frankly mm-hmm. like if this was a live action movie it would be bad
1: <laughs> you would you would need like an insanely talented director like a real like visual maniac to make this stand out in live action mm-hmm. and so i think the right call was made to make it you know, anim- animated, and uh, after the success of Anastasia, it went to Don Bluth and Gary Gary Goldman.
0: And the other reason was because basically they didn't have another script lined up at Fox Animation mm-hmm. after Anastasia. Cause I don't think anyone was expecting Anastasia to be a decent success. Like it, it was a hit. I don't think it was a monster hit, but it like it, it made a lot of it made a decent amount of money for an animated film. Mm-hmm. Anastasia is a pretty garbage movie, by the way. I just have to throw that out I, there. I
1: like Anastasia. Yeah. Well, I like Anastasia quite a bit, unfortunately. We'll, to,
0: we'll get into Don Bluth's legacy, because like, I have a point to make about okay, Anastasia. Okay. But uh, they were basically going to start laying people off because the animation industry is like horrible, <laughs> <laughs> and because there was no other movie lined up, it was like, if they didn't pick a script quickly, people were going to start losing their jobs. So they just jumped in and took Titan AE. Which, you know, oh, hey, uh, that's that's it's a challenge.
1: Yeah. Uh, in the commentary Bluth and Goldman both point out that like they were kind of worried about taking a a science fiction film project because you you need to like have your A game on with like your visual inventiveness you can't just make it look like everything else and you know like the only things that it does kind of remind me of are Serenity and Alien Resurrection and I I bring that up (laughs) not just because of the Joss Whedon connection unfortunately I apologize but I, I think of more of like the the ugly steampunk look to a lot of the ships like they look very worn down like the the star wars stuff you know the the original trilogy stuff specifically has that worn down look for it too but it's also like kind of exciting in alien resurrection serenity and titan ae the ships are like disgusting like i don't want to live in them (laughs) you know and that's why i bring that up that's all maybe like blade runner-ish but not this is more of like a pulpy adventure tone
0: the 90s is all the people who saw Blade Runner in the 80s finally getting to make science fiction, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that generation being like, we're gonna fucking change the industry, and then they didn't, yeah. but... They, they
1: sure <laughs> tried, though, but the industry they, is a fickle bitch. Hey,
0: the industry kept, like, giving these people, like, a swing, you know, at the bat. It just, like, didn't happen. Oh, so you're
1: defending <laughs> the system? Uh, well, it's weird. The so-called it's a thi- free thinker, Matt Goringo.
0: I'm defending the 90s version where it would be like, Hey, like we tried this six times and it bombed. Let's try it a seventh, like, <laughs> okay? Okay. Which yeah. is just something that wouldn't happen today. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we do one bomb and it's like we will never make another movie like that ever again. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's the only industry where, like, post Cutthroat Island, Disney would make a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Like, there's still like an eight-year gap between those movies, mm-hmm. but it's like now if a pirate movie bombs, it's like never do another pirate film ever again. <laughs> You know Someone running these studios at least went like Now the reason that movie bombed probably was because it sucked (laughs) But hey Uh, Yeah It's You know when you watch this It's one of these movies where I watch it and I go God damn you know Ender's Game should have been animated You know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. Have you ever read Ender's Game I haven't Okay, well, everyone who's read Ender's Game that's listening to this, I think maybe watch Titan A and go, like, this is what an Ender's Game movie should have looked like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It should have been an animated film. Um, And you know what uh, Orson Scott Card, the author of Ender's Game, and Don Bluth both have in common?
1: I'm scared, but what?
0: Both Mormons. Oh, okay. They're both Mormons. Um, I don't think Don Bluth's ever gone on record saying horrible shit like Orson Scott Card has, but... (laughs) let's keep it
1: that way for for the old guard of
0: Hollywood
1: I I don't expect them to change anymore I do need them to shut up
0: <laughs> yeah so that's to, all I ask you're only gonna be around for like a decade don't say anything that ruins your legacy yes that's it <laughs> um but hey uh, did you know Don Bluth wasn't Mormon
1: no I didn't
0: uh, changes how you look at a lot of his movies I, yeah I bet uh, you realize oh Land Before Time is about dying and going to heaven <laughs> Say so you got to take the hard path to get to the Great Valley. If you take the easy path, you're going to end up in the evil swamp. And if you take the hard path and you fo- you believe in faith and you follow, you will end up in the Great Valley where all your friends are forever. <laughs> Even oh. though it's a movie about the world ending.
1: <laughs> but hey, the dude has All Dogs Go
0: to Heaven literally has heaven and hell in it.
1: Oh, yeah, that that one I do remember. That's a
0: movie about original sin. <laughs> Like, I'm not even joking. Because all dogs go to heaven. And he's like, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't want to live in paradise. I want to be able to do things. And he takes his clock and, like, turns it. And then he goes back and she's like, Oh, but you've rejected paradise. It's the fall of man.
1: <laughs> I remember watching
0: that at school. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. They
1: don't didn't like it then either. That.
0: You know, we watched uh, fucking uh, Prince of Egypt in school. Which is straight up just a biblical story. <laughs> okay,
1: I, I was talking about how, how *Titan may ease a little more darker, a little more mature, like with the violence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went. My mom took me and my closest friend to the theater to watch *Prince of Egypt* because that's when we were like at our most like religious, and mm-hmm. and my mom has has become much more open minded about mm-hmm. things. I, I'm I'm happy to say, uh, myself included, and my friend. But that movie fucked us up. <laughs> that is not like a, a family-friendly film, and I, I mean that in a positive way. I remember I have very fond memories of, of watching that movie. I haven't in a while though, so
0: it's a weird uh, it's a weird story to make into an animated film. <laughs> it it is, but like
1: I'm kind of glad they did too because it's like the, uh, it you could sh- do so much with animation. I guess mm-hmm. is, is this the point I want to make with this? Yeah, yeah, a, and this episode specifically, like. God, it, you could, it's just boundless, you know? Like, the possibilities are, like, literally anything you can imagine. Like, why isn't everything animated I at know. a certain point? I mean, in
0: this, in this age where, like I said, we're basically going to the movies and one of these big-budget movies come, out, they're basically animated except for scenes where people stand around and talk to each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like, these should just be cartoons. Yeah. And I think it's the baby boomers that are hanging on that are stopping it from happening. I don't think we talk enough about how the mar- success of Marvel... Is predicated on the baby boomers embracing them hmm excuse me um, and like the baby boomers are a generation where they're like I'm not gonna go see no cartoon <laughs> Like, whereas we're the generation that would be like fucking cartoon who gives a shit like let's go like yeah like I mean how many people
1: love avatar the last airbender yeah at this point you know
0: you, you know it's it's basically I, I said it, it's our generation Star Wars at a certain point mm-hmm and there's plenty of that, and again, we're a generation raised on cartoons, unsupervised adults letting us watch Toonami. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the one those of us that stayed up late catching Adult Swim, being like fucking 10 years old and watching Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, will influence you in a lot of ways.
1: Oh, you know what? This has a kind of a Cowboy Bebop look to it, too. Like, not, not everything, because Cowboy Bebop goes through like a lot of different like aesthetic styles for yeah. like the stories, but like... You know, the rundown look of the ship and, like, the the way that the ships fly around and stuff like that. There's a nice swoopiness to a lot of the cameras and, and uh, the animation. I really love, like, even with, like, simple stuff, like, it feels like genuine camera movements when the people are talking in, like, a room. You know? Like, that stuff is really exciting to me.
0: I think it has something to do with the blending of the 3D and 2D animation, mm-hmm. um, which works incredibly well here. Uh, I've seen that type of animation done because like the 90s and early 2000s like the last gasp of 2d animation and They started doing a lot of the mixing 3d and sometimes it's like really jarring for me (laughs) Where you can tell the 3d exists in a different universe than the 2d and I don't know what it is It works incredibly well here and maybe it's just the sci-fi setting that like helps me get over that hump of being like well of course all the ships look like that you Mm -hmm. know like the ships have a very specific look because they're 3d they're spaceships i think the space setting helps but then all the act all the characters are 2d yeah It it, it just really works and that was what i was super impressed by um and it's that that swooping you're talking about is something that uh disney doesn't do until like two years later with treasure planet yeah, tried the same thing in Treasure Planet, and I think it looks better here.
1: It it might. Uh, I need to revisit Treasure Planet. Again. You know what? I
0: I rewatched Treasure Planet expecting not to like it, and I ended up really liking it.
1: Okay, yeah, because uh, that that's another fine. really that that one's definitely more popular than Titan A.E. with our generation too. Mm-hmm. But I know that one also has like a huge fan base and like people calling for like a live action remake at a certain point. And you know what? For all like the negative stuff I have to say about the Disney live action remakes, if you're going to do one, that's probably the one to do. Yeah,
0: but also just do
1: Treasure Island. Like <laughs> Yeah, but Treasure it, Planet.
0: Yeah, but It's a planet. <laughs> yeah, but it would just be like it We're we're going to talk about animation <laughs> like uh, Yeah, you can no only no, do I Treasure know Treasure Planet as an animated film. Like I would not buy Treasure Island in space, where all the spaceships look like fucking boats for some reason. <laughs> I would not buy that live action. I just wouldn't. If it's animated, though, it works.
1: Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. You no. Know, yeah. All
0: right, just tell a different story.
1: All right. All right. Fine. Treasure <laughs> Take the Island. Take
0: from it, but yeah. I mean, I guess who knows? They'll probably fucking do it when they start running out of shit to make movies out
1: of. Yeah. Yeah. We'll. We'll. We'll see. Um. But again, the swoopiness of the of the cameras in the rooms, like even in scenes like when uh, Kale, our lead character here, our uh, our Luke Skywalker prototype,
0: can we um, just say how bad it is? His name is Kale.
1: Nah, eh, it's not great. <laughs> but like, uh, there's that scene where they're like fixing him up after he's wounded um, from the first chase scene in the film, and the way that the two D characters in the front and the two D backgrounds kind of like stay the same, but then they pivot the three D table. And it gives it like the momentum to make it look like a camera changing perspective, yeah. and it's just it's so cool. <laughs> it's, it's so it's fucking cool.
0: That's like it's really heartbreaking that it just became all three D at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Like and you wish. I don't. I don't, don't have...
1: want to like naysay three D. I, I just I want people to remember like that. It doesn't matter what you use. You can use like whatever. You can use yeah. everything to no, make I'm it not more here exciting. To say,
0: there are fantastic three D animated films. <laughs> That look terrific, and they do a lot, and they push the boundaries of like what an animated film can do. But like this also can, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's a real shame that at a certain point we just went in, all right, no more, two D. And uh, I feel like maybe that's changing because now all the three D films are starting to look the fucking same, you know. Um,
1: yeah. How was uh? What's that new Pixar? The.
0: Uh, Luca. Yeah. Did you see it? I have not seen it yet.
1: But you're Italian.
0: I've heard good things. Um, I saw the the Last Dragon one. Ryan, The Last Dragon.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. How was it?
0: Um, I didn't care for it. Okay. And I like Talking Dragons, as I've established. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of like generic animated film. Mm. And I really didn't like Soul. I seem to be the one person that didn't like Soul that much. Yeah. I think I'm just getting sick of the Pixar thing of being like... What if souls were people, and it's like, oh, it's gonna operate, like, a fucking airport or something, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm getting a little sick of that shit. And, like, when are we gonna do a movie about energy aliens blowing up the earth? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the villains in this film
1: are pure energy, which is, like, a weird concept. Yeah,
0: and they look great, too, because the way the like, 3D animation handles them, like it really makes them alien and threatening.
1: Yeah, oh, I fucking love them. You know what fucking kills me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, this, this is completely personal. This isn't about the movie at all. This is just my relationship to it. So right. I was so excited and obsessed with this film when it was coming out, and I missed it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I ended up watching it uh, from a rental at Hollywood Video. And i was like god i really wish i had i had a toy from it though you know before before i ended up watching it even though i I couldn't watch it in the theater and i think it was my dad who got me the toy of the the dredge the the energy creatures and so i was like obsessed with it it was the only toy i had from it and so my dad worked with one of my uncles my tío at this car place where they fix up the cars, right? And so i you know, wander around like the car, auto body shops, yada la da, play in some of the cars and I wasn't supposed to. Uh didn't realize how dangerous that was until I got older. And and but I I would sometimes leave stuff in the car and my dad would be like, You can't leave stuff. I don't wanna get fired. <laughs> and uh, and one time he was like, All right, did you leave anything in the car? Nope. Nope. We're driving home and I'm like, wait a second, where's my toy? Where's where's the where's the uh, dredge? And i had left it in someone's car. So uh, someone
0: in a someone got it someone got a dredge toy. <laughs> yeah.
1: So if you're out there um and you're listening to this, I would I would like it back still.
0: Let's Google how much a Titan A dredge toy is worth. Probably very cheap because I don't think anyone cares about this movie. <laughs> I know, there's weird toy collectors out there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Nah, it's only like ten bucks. Yeah. I
1: don't know, just buy one then. No, yeah. I'm not really a collector, actually. I'm, I'm Relive pretty...
0: your childhood. Yeah, I can't do the toy thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, no
1: disrespect to anyone that does. I just like, I'm not really like a like a, a collector.
0: I like, guess. what do you do once you get it? <laughs> like, what do you do if you're an adult and you get a toy? Oh yeah, I don't put, know. Like, you just put it on the shelf. No, I,
1: I just, I just like pictures. I get, you know, I, I can keep them mm-hmm. on my computer or like in a folder if I, if I print no, them I, out I, or like I, scan them. You know? there's
0: definitely something to it, but it's just like. I need to be able to interact with this a little more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But hey,
1: yeah, just uh, not 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 for me, I guess. Um, but yeah, the the dredge look great, and I think they're like the perfect encapsulation of like uh the the style the film is going for. It's like because that one specifically is a mix of like three D and two D with like the faces and like the electricity which is also a mix of 2D and 3D and how they interact with like their, the dredge technology. And also, I just like saying dredge a lot. <laughs> I, I think that's like a, a nifty little name for.
0: Yeah, great alien villain name. Yeah. <laughs> they just don't they don't sound like good guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, it's very they're very simple. Like the film is very simple. There's not a lot of complicated stuff going on. Um, I, I do want to start breaking down the film a little bit because it's basically just like a collection of scenes. It's not that complicated either.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about Don Bluth for a moment.
1: Okay, I'm scared, but okay.
0: Because we should talk We should talk about Don Bluth. Yeah. Um, and this is his last movie, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, he's worked on a few things here and there, but this is like the last movie he did. And uh, how much do you know of the story of Don Bluth?
1: i'm not that much um land before time was also a huge film in my childhood and i ended up collecting a lot of the straight to video sequels
0: at a certain hell point hell yeah we're, we're we're definitely in the same boat there
1: okay and uh, i have been waiting for his dragon lair film for like mm-hmm. 20 years so we'll see how that goes yeah
0: who knows good luck Don, 83
1: year old man if you can do it good for you it,
0: yeah, he could he could at least produce it, but I don't know. That's just that's a weird thing. Well, Don Bluth uh, started working for the Walt Disney Company at a certain point um, in like the '70s. He's credited with working on Robin Hood, The Rescuers, Pete's Dragon, and uh, the last one I think he had any input on was The Fox and the Hound, right? Mm-hmm. And this is that weird Disney era where Walt Disney has died, and they Disney does not fucking have any idea what to do with itself (laughs) and they're they're making mostly bad live action movies uh occasionally they drop a movie like the black hole (laughs) which is might join the failed blockbuster series at a certain point because they keep chasing trends where it's like well star wars is big maybe we can have a star wars and it doesn't work uh i feel like uh he's not credited but i feel like um, the Black Cauldron must have started under Don Bluth. Like, that feels like Disney trying to do a Bluth thing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, I believe he was put in charge of Disney animation or made, like, one of the head animators at Disney at a certain point. Um, but he kind of became disillusioned with the whole Disney system. And on his birthday in, like, 78 or 79 or something like that, he just took a bunch of their top animators and left and founded his own animation studio.
1: <laughs> Happy birthday, Don Bluth! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Which, uh,
0: you know, it that upset a lot of the animators that stuck with Disney. Um, the people that were kind of left behind. They, they were, I think there was a lot of bad blood as a result of that. Um, and this is at a time where, like, you know, Disney is like, we might stop making animated films. That's, that's the era. And it pushed back the fox and the hound released by like months uh it was it was kind of a disaster it was bad <laughs> for the <laughs> disney studio i don't think they were expecting a guy to do something like that and i'm not trying to be like d- d- defend disney because we all know what disney inevitably became <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know it must have been a little rough <laughs> yeah yeah I at mean, the time
1: it's, it's stuff's complicated but if i was an animator that stuck behind that would hurt you know
0: <laughs> yeah um, he goes. He makes secret. Of, he, it's one. He makes Secret of Nim, which is one of those movies where like he mortgaged his own house to get Secret of Nim made. You know, and uh, I don't know if it's a monster hit, but it's enough of a hit to start getting him other jobs. Have you seen Secret of Nim? Long ago, Secret of Nim is maybe my favorite Don Bluth movie. Oh, wait, that's uh, the one with the mice, right? That's the one with the genetically engineered mice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's why <laughs> that are, I like, remember you explaining that to me and me losing own, my mind. Own civilization in the bushes. Jesus. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Um, he, he gets the, he gets to do the animation on the Dragon's Lair video game, which he kind of gets all the credit for, even though like the game was kind of made separate from him. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's a whole other story. Uh, but then uh, Mr. Steven Spielberg. Uh, saw Secret of M. And this is Spielberg at like the height of I'm fucking Steven Spielberg. Everything I touch turns to gold. <laughs> uh, Don Bluth, I want to start an animation studio. I want you to be in charge of it. And Don Bluth gets brought under, I believe, and George Lucas also had a hand in it. So, like, American Tail Land Before Time, and All Dogs Go to Heaven are like produced by Spielberg in some capacity. I think All Dogs maybe started under Spielberg and then left, um, but Don Bluth kind of got a fucking blank check from Spielberg <laughs> and Lucas. Uh, Don Bluth ends up kind of not getting along with Spielberg.
1: Mm, I didn't know that.
0: And I don't know if they're like not getting along, but at a certain point, you know, they, they clashed. There was a lot of arguments. I know that Land Before Time is like heavily edited from what it was originally intended to be Um, I think they they went into Land Before Time being like it's there's gonna be no dialogue it's just gonna be dinosaurs and it's gonna be totally told through animation and I believe Spielberg at some point was like nah make them talk (laughs) which maybe caused some conflict uh, but America Tale and Lame Before Time kind of stay under the Spielberg blanket and get, like, direct-to-video sequels. Uh, Don Bluth makes All Dogs Go to Heaven, and then after All Dogs Go to Heaven, he arguably never makes another good film ever again. <laughs> mm. Have you seen any of the ones—let's say just say between Anastasia and All Dogs Go to Heaven, have you seen any of those movies?
1: I've seen Anastasia and— I remember images from Rockadoodle doodle and Thumbelina, but I can't tell you like I've seen them in full.
0: rock a is a fucking wild movie. It <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yeah. Uh, God, that's a weird... I can't even describe... The plot of rock doodle is just fucking weird.
1: No, you know what? When I was younger, it's funny that you mentioned that he worked on the um, the Disney Robin Hood with the fox, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that one also has a rooster that goes Beep, be, la, dee, de, do, do, right with the mm-hmm. little guitar or whatever. Yeah. When I was younger and I saw oh Rockadoodle, that must be the spin-off of <laughs> <laughs> Robin Hood with well, uh well you know whatever I would consider a spin-off when I was younger and that's like about the chicken who who sings and no, it is it is not that, I guess.
0: I don't think that's a wrong connection, because I believe because is based on the play Chanticleer, which is about the the rooster that thinks its singing raises the sun, right? Mhm. Um and Disney, like, tried to make a Chanticleer movie for, like, a long time. And I think elements of that ended up being the Robin Hood movie. <laughs> so I, I think you're not totally wrong. All right. Well, hey. What, uh, yeah, it's weird. And I guess when Don Bluth left, it was like, Disney would never let me make a Chanticleer movie. I'm making Chanticleer. And then it bombed. Mm. Uh, yeah, he does, does a bunch of fucking weird movies. Thumbelina, which is him. I think at that point, Don Bluth kind of gives into the Disney princess thing being something
1: mm.
0: and so he's like I'm just gonna do Thumbelina try and capture that magic I don't know if Thumbelina made money oh it did not uh, <laughs> <laughs> he did like
1: that one second that's all it
0: took Yeah, and this is when he's working with Gary Goldman a lot too um, Troll in Central Park which is just like a very heavy kids film um, and then the Pebble and the Penguin a movie I watched a lot as a child so like I know a lot of it is incredibly strange and is a movie that was released basically unfinished you can look up the sequence uh there's a there's songs in it there's a song called the the great ship misery or something like that the good ship misery watch that sequence there are chunks of animation that just aren't finished in it like you'll notice characters just standing completely still oh no yeah, I think it was when we're like, they just ran out of money while they were making it. <laughs> and you can tell. And Don Bluth's name is not on the movie as a result.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking, I'm just at the Wikipedia, just briefly. Don Bluth, uncredited. Gary Goldman, uncredited. Produced by, uncredited. Produced by, uncredited. <laughs> John Pomeroy, yeah. uncredited. Like, whoa. Like, so they, everyone just, like, disowned that one, then.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of a disaster. It holds a weird nostalgic place in my heart, because I saw it a lot as a child. Um, it's weird that, like, Happy Feet comes later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's... He's in a weird place as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a movie about a, a penguin that finds a pebble <laughs> that came down in an asteroid. And he wants to give it to the girl he loves, but also he gets magical visions from the pebble that tells him where to go when he gets lost. Oh, a little similar to the weird map thing in this.
1: Kind of,
0: yeah. Huh. Uh, after that, he had made a bunch of those movies, I think with MGM UA, uh, and then had a falling out with them, of course. Fox wants to do animation, uh, trying to tap into all the money that Disney is making. Their, their first movie ends up being Anastasia, which is a, a basically a, a rip-off Disney musical not done by disney
1: it is but i gotta be honest there are some banger songs in that there's some Uh, really quality songs in that
0: we can talk about the songs all day uh it's based on russian history (laughs) (laughs) a very fucked up and dark time of russian history became an animated musical film (laughs) yeah it's it's an odd one and Rasputin is straight up like an evil wizard. hmm <laughs> He has an army of bug monsters what and is, demons.
1: What is the deal with people using Rasputin like in, in fantasy films, fantasy I, adventure films?
0: I think it's A, the name. Yeah, that's Rasputin's, a killer villain name. Yeah, that's a killer villain name. B if you look at any picture of Rasputin...
1: <laughs> yeah, he looks like he just ate a child.
0: Yeah, you he know? looks like a monster man. Um uh, it was also it's also the thing that he has like healing powers. Like that's what the Romanovs believed, that he could heal their sick child. So there's like weird mysticism around. He's him. even
1: in the new Kingsman film that's coming yeah. out eventually.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Like, and then there's also me. the story about him, like, when he was killed, they, like, shot him, stabbed him, poisoned him, and threw him in a river, and, like, none of it killed him, <laughs> like... Yeah. So he has that crazy... Which, who knows how true that is? Like, that could be bullshit, because Russian history is, like, kind of rewritten a lot. Yeah,
1: but wouldn't it be, but, like, super fucking funny if, like, that's all true, but everyone was just, like, really bad at, like, attempting murder...
0: That's probably what it was, but it's also that thing of, like, fucking guns then, like, just didn't work. You could shoot someone in the head and they'd live. I mean, it's, uh, who's, what's his name? Fucking later, fucking Trotsky gets an axe to the head and managed to kill his attacker. Like, he died, but he, like, he managed to fight a guy off with an axe in his head. (laughs) Sorry, like,
1: what an image...
0: And that starts the stereotype of Russians basically being indestructible. (laughs) The combination of Rasputin and Trotsky. Get those two guys in a room, you know? Yeah, you know, that's just, that's some insane shit. Uh, And yeah, and so, fucking Anastasia then leads to... Titan A.E., which bombs so hard, Fox gives up on animated films.
1: Yeah, Fox animated films don't come back until fantastic mr fox wes anderson's fantastic mr fox oh boy Uh. and i i believe they, they they don't even come back under fox animation studios they just come back under like 20th century animation or something like that something else uh and that's a fantastic film and actually did make money from what i recall let me just double check that really quick how did that make money no, never mind. I apologize. It it made $46.5 million on a $40 million budget. Okay. So, no, that one also did not make money. Not the comeback you want. Um.
0: I was going to be shocked if that made money.
1: No, I, I I love... That's my favorite Wes Anderson film.
0: No, I love that movie, too, but it's also, like... The only way that makes money is if it was the only kids' film released in, like, a three-month period.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same year as Up, you know? So, yeah. competition's a little stiff.
0: Yeah. Hmm. That's a good movie, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, really good. You know, I
0: never saw his other animated one. Isle um, of Dogs? It, it's, Isle of Dogs. I,
1: I was disappointed. I'm I'm a Wes Anderson fan, and I was disappointed, so... Yeah. Make of that what you want. What
0: happened to, where did he find people to just do the animation in that? I guess they had been working on, like, uh, Life Aquatic.
1: Yeah, maybe that's how he got the connection
0: for that, you know? Because it's like, it's hard to just find animators.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I don't know. But, uh... Hey, 20th century animation was shut down in April 7th of
1: 2021.
0: Mm. Well, Godspeed.
1: Yeah. We were, we're talking, like, slightly before the show about this, but, like, you can kind of trace, like, the history of recent, like, Hollywood closures through Don Blue's career. Because, mm. like, everywhere he kind of goes is shut down except for Universal. Yeah. Which is Well, it's uh, also, like, this is the
0: end of Don Blue's battle with Disney. Mm -hmm. this is the end of him being like i can go off and make my own studio and we can make movies just as good as you disney and they'll will change the industry and arguably he definitely left an impact on the industry um but at the end of the day disney is still standing and now owns some of these movies yeah so it's a it's a bummer It's a bummer. I don't want to prop Don Bluth up as being like the savior of animation, but there should be more voices like Don Bluth in the industry. Or at least unique voices that are alternatives to Disney.
1: Yeah, let's not make anyone to a martyr, but like appreciate that you know, every everyone, every artist has like a distinct voice at the very least, or should I guess? Yeah. Not not always, well, but should. Maybe. I understand.
0: It's so much harder in animation because that's something where it's just it takes like an army to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand why it's hard to get like a voice in it. And Don Bluth managed to get one, however he did it. You watch a Don Bluth movie and you go, "That's a Don Bluth movie." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the bad ones. I mean, and... the, the
1: character animations are, like, very similar. Like, you know, Anastasia, yeah. the, the, the lead male in Anastasia looks just like Kale in Titan A.E. <laughs>
0: yeah. Did
1: he do any rotoscoping? It feels a little rotoscopy at some sometimes. sometimes I think there was in this film. Like, literally, like, every type of animation, I think, is in this film. Yeah, it's, you know. Except for, like, you know, literally stop motion. <laughs> that's, like, the <laughs> one that's not there
0: probably. We should have found a way to work it in. I know, right? The
1: the Dredge Queen should have been that.
0: Maybe, yeah. That would have been interesting.
1: Yeah. Um. um. But we were talking about like how you need like an army for animated films. You also need a lot of time and this film had like a two year turnaround. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is for animation that's fucking just nuts. So the fact that it's even like, there's like a flow to it, you know? Because I, I think it's paced very well.
0: It just, I I wish
1: it was more, you know?
0: Someone, at some point, I think, took advantage of the fact that, like, this had been... They'd been trying to make it a live-action movie for however. So I think the script was, like, functioning enough when they jumped into the animation that no one went, let's try and rewrite this thing again. They were just like, let's just come up with good animation sequences to do.
1: Yeah. I I think the one thing that was, like, slightly changed, or at least that I could tell from the, the commentary was there's a scene on, a, on like a human reserve, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're, they're all hiding out um, with the little soccer kid. That was like added later in production. Don Bluth wanted to add more like humanity for the, uh, the lead up into the third act.
0: Yeah, that's actually a very good choice because I think one of the problems this movie has is there's kind of all this talk about how humanity is like dying a- after the earth gets destroyed and that, oh, they're going to go extinct the next number of years, blah, blah, blah. And we don't see a ton of it for most of the movie.
1: Yeah. I, I think there's a there's part of that that works kind of well. Because it's like, well, there's so few of them left that we literally just don't see them. We see all this mm. other stuff in the galaxy. uh, But it does help a lot. Like, when, when it happens leading into the third act of the film, you're like, oh, that's right. Like, we do need to see this. Uh-huh. And it is, like, kind of a relief. that like, okay, this is what the stakes are this is what they're fighting for and uh, it, it helps a lot i think that provides a lot of the heart for the later part of the film
0: i also have to wonder how much of the scripts were there like that many alien characters i understand like on the planets and stuff i, I bet you that was the problem they kept running into with uh, live action is that because it's after earth and because humans are supposed to be an endangered species you have to populate the movie with mostly aliens, Mm -hmm. and that probably would have been a little taxing for a live-action movie in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Especially when you get uh, the designs of some of these aliens are just impossible to do in live-action. Yeah. Well, it's funny, because some of them are like,
1: wow, that's like pretty impressive, another one's like, oh, it's just a big cockroach. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who is not voiced by Joe Pesci.
0: Um, It was Jim Brewer. Yeah, like Joe, The guy who did Joe Pesci on SNL. Uh, quite the
1: uh, quite the voice, though. I was convinced it was Joe Pesci for most of my life.
0: So. Hey. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, just that did one Joe role. Pe- did Joe Pesci ever do an animated film? Oh, that's a good question. That's, a, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I feel like someone must have thrown it out to Joe Pesci at a certain point and he just said no. Yeah. Because he says
1: no to, like, literally everything. Mm-hmm. You know, because he just doesn't like Hollywood.
0: He basically did the Irishman at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really had to force him.
1: Yeah, hell of a fucking it. final performance, though.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that'd that be a good one to go out on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if Scorsese has to, like, beg him to come back, that's probably yeah. why he never did an animated film, because he's like, I don't give a
0: shit. It just feels like someone would have been like, we gotta get Joe Pesci's voice in something, <laughs> and it never happened. Yeah. Well, here let, let's talk about some of the other voice cast. Then,
1: so Matt Damon as Kale Tucker.
0: Yeah. Everyone's
1: favorite Matt Damon, Hollywood's number one cameo role now for some reason. Yeah. What's that for about? Some reason. I don't. I don't get that. Bill Pullman as Captain Joseph Corso. As Lone Star. Oh. No, that's uh <laughs> that's the the it's a mix of the Nathan Fillion and Adam Baldwin roles in Firefly. That's a little bit yeah. yeah
0: it feels like a, it honestly this movie does kind of feel like a dry run for serenity in some areas
1: i think a lot of like uh the 90s spec work that whedon was getting was a dry run for firefly yeah because <laughs> you know again fuck him but like that was that was like his baby and like it's like well alien resurrection really needs some space
0: pirates that's what that movie really <laughs> yeah needed. that's what that's what'll make that movie work you fucking idiot <laughs> 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 um You know what? You know what the alien franchise was missing? Fucking space pirates. He's just ripping off Metroid at that point.
1: A little little bit. Hey, I'll 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 totally go to bat for Resurrection now. History has vindicated me.
0: No, it hasn't. Yes, it has. No, just because a bunch of dorks on Letterboxd agree with you (laughs) does not mean history has vindicated you.
1: Well, here is more of the cast I really like: John Leguizamo as Goon, who's basically a frog man; uh, Nathan Lane, who fucking just kills it. As well, no, yeah, we got it. Nathan
0: Lane is so good in this, and it's weird. No one ever—I I don't think he was ever a slimy villain ever again.
1: Yeah, that's a failure of Hollywood society culture.
0: And I get people. Nathan Lane is just his like naturally hysterical. But he should have played slimy villain roles more. Like, I think the only other thing I can think of is, like, he played Ethley Bailey on The People vs. O.J. Simpson. <laughs> but I can't think of anything... He was, uh, he was Roy Cohn in the new Angels in America on Broadway. Hmm. Uh, which, uh, that's, a, that's a complicated character. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he's so good at delivering just like the skeevious lines and stuff like that, or even like just saying something like, I weep for the species and like the cadence in his voice. It's, it's so good. It's so you know, what's good good
0: about Nathan Lane as that guy is that because it's Nathan Lane, you kind of believe he's just going to be an asshole and is not like the very obvious guy who will betray everyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I feel like a lot of other voice actors would have pushed it into that territory.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, Gary Goldman and Don Bluth talk a lot about like cutting segments of the film because they didn't want to like, uh, like show their hand with the Corso and the Preed character too much. So there's a lot of stuff that they cut out, and then they they talk a lot about like how Corso. I mean, guys spoilers, if you haven't seen Titan A, just go watch Titan A. Uh, <laughs> I, I I recommend it. Would you recommend it?
0: Um, yeah, it's worth watching at least once.
1: Okay, well, because I I want to talk about like stuff that really works and stuff that
0: maybe could have
1: worked better in the film as much as I love it. And a big part of that is the Joseph Corso character who the, uh, the directors regret like kind of cutting around um, his inner conflict with like selling out the human race because they 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 both vocally um, share their disappointment with like how, how they couldn't like nail that with the Corso character. I think yeah. that there's a lot of regret that they couldn't get it to work because so much of it was tied to him and Preed kind of showing their hands like surprise villains at the end, <laughs> which is a bummer.
0: Yeah, I think with them cutting around the Corso stuff, I think it leads to a problem where we almost get too much that makes you believe Corso's a good guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where when he finally reveals who he is, it doesn't make a ton of sense it's like he's been restoring kale's hope the whole story right yeah and then suddenly he's like "Ah, kid it's all bullshit and it feels a little jarring
1: it does that i i completely agree with that and because i think one of the highlights of the film for me is like the bonding moment they have when they're flying around the ship and he's he's you know it's, it's the dad letting the son take the car you know getting yeah. the keys to the car they even refer to that in the commentary. And I swear to God, that's what I had in my notes. I was like, oh, it's like your dad letting you drive for the first time. And then I heard them say that, and I was like, okay, that's how I know that fucking works, because I, I felt the same exact thing they just said. And I, I, that seems just like one of the peaks of uh, early 2000s animations for me, where it's just like the visuals and the audio just completely let you take in the moment for what it is. And I, I actually think that's very moving um even with i guess the controversial soundtrack
0: yeah the soundtrack's a little uh you know i think there's a way to enjoy it uh, (laughs) you know like oh oh 90s it's so fucking
1: funny to hear them in the commentary be like we didn't want to date ourselves with the soundtrack (laughs) so we tried to get some more modern sounding stuff and it's like oh you guys have no idea you don't even yeah. know. Because I guess they recorded the commentary right after the movie premiered. Oh, wow. And they were talking about, like, you know, we hope this works well, like, on home video releases, too. And I, I think it does, even though it's just from a DVD that I own. Um, but again, I, I want a fucking Blu-ray release someday.
0: Yeah. Well, Disney didn't Disney basically say they're not doing any more Blu-ray releases? Yeah, Disney's... Yeah. I mean, you know... It'll all I mean, go
1: onto the streaming services now. Yeah,
0: I, I, the worm will turn at a certain point. Oh, like, yeah. I, I, like has to. Like
1: most of the but, stuff does in in, uh-huh. in the world, but...
0: But we're going to have a few years, and then we're going to lose a few things that we'll never get back. Like but, our lives. Well, yeah, there's that. There's always that. Um, but, hey. <laughs> yeah.
1: But anyways, I, I actually like the character stuff with uh, Corso and Kale, considering that so much yeah. of it was reworked, I guess, in late production.
0: I think it's also, like, again, that's my problem with it, I think, is that it's all, like, fine, but it's also you see where it's going most of the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can see, like, oh, he's gonna be the father figure Kale never had. Yeah, yeah, totally. With the Titan Project. Um, Another problem, I, I guess, I have to say about this movie is the opening of this movie is just fantastic. It's really tense. It's really scary. You get a lot of the swooping animation with the kids getting picked up in the flying car and taken to the spaceport. And we see the Titan Project launching into space and the whole planet blows up. Uh, But that's kind of all the tricks this movie has up its sleeve in the opening. Mm. (laughs) Like, that's the whole movie right there. Kind of. I guess few other moments but like there's a zero gravity moment there's this uh when they're in that weird like ice field
1: i adore the the ice rings of tigrin it's called I yeah. believe.
0: you know who else really adored it
1: oh boy do i <laughs> roger <cook here>. eber <laughs> yep he loved this movie
0: roger eber in this era kind of went to bat for every weird animated film <laughs> god bless him like, he's, I think he's the one guy who gave Final Fantasy The Spirits within a positive review. <laughs> I think he gave it four stars. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. Ebert was a, was a fucking weeb. <laughs> yeah, Well, no, he was like... Like, his whole thing was just like, look at what animation can do that live action can't do. That's like the thing that he keeps saying. Where he's just like, this is stuff you can only do in animation. We should start doing movies like this in animation. And... Uh, he gave, all right, he gave Spirits Within 3.5 out of 4, which is still pretty good.
1: <laughs> and we should also note, because of the release of the, the sequel film, Ebert did also give the original Space Jam 3.5 out of 4 stars. So, you know, <laughs> we're not going to claim everything from Ebert, but, but it just, is worth just noting.
0: <laughs> just noting that he went to bed. Although, you know who's the one guy Ebert seemed to have it out for for most of his career? Don Don Blue. <laughs> Really? Or, like, he did, I, I don't remember him giving too many Don Bluth movies positive reviews. Hmm. I should look into that real quick. But he compares the, the images of Titan A to the pictures we get from the Hubble Space Telescope.
1: I mean, I can see it. I mean, the, the space backgrounds in this are just, like, stunning. You know? mm-hmm. I get it.
0: Like, well, he only has, on his website, he only has three Bluth movies reviewed, and uh, one of them is *Lame Before Time, which he gave three stars, and then American Tail, which he gave two stars. Mm. And I know, I remember Siskel and Ebert, like, having a big problem with Pebble and the Penguin, but that's kind of understandable.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that, like, it's unfinished just fucking sucks. Uh, I, I should also note that American Tale was huge in my household, both... Mm. The first and Five Goes West.
0: Yes, I've seen all of the sequels to American Tale. Are there more? There's like six. what the fuck! Yeah, let me because they also, I think they tried to do a TV series at some point that no one watched. Um, Whoa, let me, look, let me look up the American Tale films real quick. Good lord. Um, it's all right, there's four and an animated series. Uh, there's Five Goes West, The Treasure of Manhattan Island which I believe involves, like, Native American mice, so that probably doesn't hold up super well.
1: No, not And definitely. the
0: Mystery of the Night Monster, which uh, I think has to do with, like, industrial labor, so maybe that one's a little more interesting. Ooh. Um, I also think they the treasure of Manhattan Island establishes that Fievel Goes West was a dream. Okay. He's suddenly back in New York City. <laughs> American Tail might be one of the most traumatizing films from my childhood. That was an upsetting movie. I remember getting scared because of the big cat robot thing. The, that wasn't it. Was just the separation from parents stuff that was like really upsetting.
1: Oh, I see. I see.
0: And especially because I think that was like I saw it on TV, Cartoon Network's Cartoon Theater, which made it like a two-hour block. And when you're a child. Two hours might as well be Lawrence of Arabia. Like, that's an epic when you're a child, mm-hmm. and it's just a lot of him being lost and like barely finding his family, and like they always just miss him. And this is also, I'm in school so it's a big Stranger Danger era of like, don't get separated from your parents or horrible things will happen to you. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's that's, a, that's an upsetting film,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and it's him getting like thrown into sweatshops. And getting the shit kicked out of them, and it's bad. It's like an animated version of Once Upon a Time in America. Oh my god! <laughs> I guess. Um,
1: speaking of sweatshops, there's also like a slave kind of ship that they they kind of cut around. There, there was a. I think the the big vocal disappointments that the directors give are in regards to the Corso character traits, and when Akima... Who is voiced by Drew Barrymore, which we'll get into in a second. Um, when she gets separated and they have to, quote unquote, rescue her, and they see that she's already kind of, you know, fought off for herself, that um, there was a whole sequence that they cut there because when it, they discover her again in the film, they just kind of wind up there. We have no knowledge of how they got there or anything, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: That's a weird sequence. Now, Drew Barrymore plays Akima Kunimoto. Don't even need to say. it. You guys know that's weird.
0: Yeah, that's weird. And uh, God bless Drew Barrymore. She's not. A, she's not great as a voice actress. Uh, um, I remember a lot of criticism about that, and I think she's fine. Um, I don't know. It was a little. Jer- I mean, but to be fair, like Matt Damon is kind of like hit and miss. Like the whole movie, some scenes it feels really good. Some scenes it's really bad. Yeah. And I feel like a part of that could be their, the the esque dialogue. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of like. Just weird asides that I just hate.
1: <laughs> kind of. You know, it's one I really like, though. Uh, when the ship has trouble starting leading into the third act. And Drew Barrymore says, should I get out and push? I don't know why. I remember that in the trailers a lot. Because that's a very, like, Hollywood It feels like that moment, was a joke you know? done in,
0: like, six other bad science fiction movies, though.
1: Probably, yeah. But I like <laughs> it here.
0: Okay. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Drew Barrymore felt a little distracting.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, go back in time... I wouldn't cast her in this but yeah. I, I think she's fine i don't think well, she's great i don't think she's terrible i think she's just flat fine
0: so you wouldn't cast her for moral reasons <laughs>
1: yeah that too
0: as opposed to me who just wants to point out that i think she's bad
1: <laughs> uh you know who i really like in this too A- apart from uh, john Guzamo nathan lane bill pullman um, who janine garofalo the mvp of the failed blockbuster
0: yeah making her second appearance
1: yeah there's a lot of weird people
0: that keep popping up again that we aren't expecting
1: (laughs) yeah i don't know what the deal is with that but i think she's really good she she kind of plays the same role (laughs) as like the angry frustrated sidekick but
0: she's good she's great and and uh that's a weird character too it is yeah weird character design and uh, again, something you, you probably just couldn't get away with in live action. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now she's fantastic as just like the angry <laughs> munitions officer. <laughs> uh yeah, and then Ron that's Perlman. kind of all the characters,
1: really. There's like there's minor ones.
0: Well, there's Ron Perlman who, who was his dad. Yeah,
1: who was all over animated films. The best voice in Hollywood, frankly. Yeah.
0: He has a lot of roles like that, and uh, fucking Tone Lock or whatever his name is. Yeah, as Tech. And he honestly gets more range here than I can remember him in other animated films, where he yeah, kind of is like um, the wise mentor type.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's almost like the because uh, because Kale's very much like a Luke Skywalker type. Uh, tech is kind of like a mix of Obi Wan and uh, uh, Uncle Owen. Yeah. I don't does he die? Uh, no. And I I, I don't know, actually. I say yeah. no, but, like, he's just kind of like, ah, oh, go on, kid. I'll, I'll be rooting for you or whatever. And it's like, it's a sweet moment, but we don't get resolution there. And, like, generally, I, I wouldn't say we needed some, but because of, like, the high-intensity situation that they find themselves in, it's weird that you don't see him again.
0: He's got the, uh it's kind of like the Saul Guerrero thing
1: you know, maybe they cut around that too you know
0: yeah where he and like decides I was,
1: to die yeah and, and part of me is like well maybe they cut like a death scene but I remember in the commentary uh, they said that they they made that chase scene shorter in the beginning because there specifically were no deaths and they didn't want the dredge to see ineffective you know
0: uh-huh. well they do kill the cook
1: the cook, yeah, the one guy. Apparently, that's like the one guy that dies there. Everyone else, they don't like kill. Okay. Hey, so, um, which which sure. is fine, but like, that just makes me have more questions about what what happened to the character.
0: I'm just assuming it's weird. I just assume pe- more people died off camera. Mm-hmm. I also find it weird that like, they like the dredge are after you, kid. And he's like, why would the dredge be after me? And I just assume that the dredge were maybe like trying to exterminate humanity.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, like, if they show up, it's a bad thing. The nope. dredge in relation to the other uh, aliens is kind of questionable. Well, because um, they
1: don't have like a relationship with the other aliens. There, yeah, it, if, is, if,
0: There's weird stuff in
1: this movie for sure. Like I that. think
0: there's just there's a there's a hang up in this movie where the universe itself doesn't feel fully fleshed out. Hmm. Um, which isn't that big a problem, but it raises questions. No, no, it, it
1: totally does. And I think it would be a bigger, like, problem with me if the movie was longer. And if it was longer, I would definitely want that more fleshed out. Like, as it stands, I do want it more fleshed out. But, like, I can live with it, you know? Yeah. Like, if it was, like, a full, like, two hours or something, God forbid, longer, right? Like, <laughs> it, you would need to do, like, a lot more heavy lifting <laughs> with this well, movie. Well, here's
0: the problem I run into just with the film as it is. So, at the beginning of the film, we're told humanity comes up with the titan project right Mm -hmm. and whatever we don't know what it is at the start but whatever the titan project is it alarms the dredge and they decide to wipe out humanity before the titan project can be used and so that there's a lot of questions there yeah ultimate question being like what is the titan project and when we get to the end we find out the titan project it's basically the Genesis device from Star Trek.
1: Yeah yeah
0: where it can make a whole new planet and so there's there's ways to read what's going on here, <laughs> which is that the Titan Project would allow humanity to get like a stronger foothold in the galaxy right mm-hmm. which could threaten whatever power the dredge have. Which again, we don't really know. So, like, we don't know what the Dredge are in relation to the rest of the universe. Are they like this all-encompassing empire? Are they this race that kind of keeps themselves? But if you come across them, they will kill you. Like, what what are the Dredge up to?
1: Yeah, we just we just I th- don't know.
0: I think they're supposed to be draining the energy from other planets, but like, wouldn't they be draining the energy from stars? <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there.
1: Yeah, like the mere concept of them being energy, like it's a fascinating idea, but then they don't explain it at all. Yeah. So it's like, well, where does it does it come from? But I guess you could kind of like, I'm going to start spiraling here at this point, but like, I guess you could kind of like ask that question for like any species then, but maybe them it's more specific because they're they're so often called like energy, pure energy. They're pure energy. You can't destroy pure energy. And it's like, then what is that? mean apart from when the film reveals what they're actually there for you know because like the titan is also like the anti-death star you know you, yeah. you refer to like wanting a star wars film where like they create a planet as opposed to destroying it and it's like well here, here you go yeah
0: this ending of the movie is kind of what i've been looking for um but uh again the questions get raised a little higher when they find the titan project at the end and they're like oh the, the energy's gone you need to find a way to to power it, and then like, where are we gonna get some energy? And it's like, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> um, but then it's like, oh, we'll use we'll we'll use the dredge to th- power the thing. And it's like, the ship can do that. <laughs> and then it's like, is that what the dredge was worried about? <laughs> that their energy was that they were gonna be wiped out by humanity because of the pro- that Titan project? <laughs> And then it's like, if that's true, does that mean the Dredge were secretly the good guys? <laughs> you know, yeah. like it raises
1: a lot of questions. It it does, it does.
0: And uh, it, this movie has a lot going on, where it's like you know, about hope and believing in a future and having vision and dreams. There's a lot of talk like that. Nathan Lane's villainous character, very specifically, cannot dream. Mm-hmm. His species can't dream. Uh, there's just tons of stuff like that. And it seems to just in, assume our our belief in a positive tomorrow and working towards it is an inherent good. Where as the Titan Project raises some alarm bells where it's like, that's kind of a nuclear weapon. <laughs> that's like the and I mean that's something that Wrath of Khan taps into where, yeah, the Genesis device, it can make any planet habitable, but it's also what if you fire it at a planet that has people on it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, then now it's a weapon, and that could be devastating. And it could turn into an arms race. And that's something this movie doesn't seem to have any interest in, which, again, I probably wouldn't have as big a problem with if the Dredge didn't explicitly power the Titan project (laughs) at the end.
1: I think the way to make that, like, just flat-out work is you kind of have to do the Xenomorph thing, where, like, the Dredge would be, like, they wouldn't be actual sentient entities. They would have to be, like, designed as weapons or something like that, you know? Yeah. Which, again, if if they're any, like, sort of sentient and not just weapons, I agree with you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But just because they seem, like, inherently designed to, like, destroy humanity, then that gets weird because they're not destroying, like, all living things. So, yeah.
0: I guess that's how you fix
1: that, you know? Like, they have to, like, try to kill everything that's not them and take their energy. And then Mm -hmm. that makes that ending work much better.
0: Well, yeah, if you go somewhere, it's like the Dredge are literally, like, they're exterminating planets across the galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, the Titan Project's the antidote to that, where now we can can rebuild from the Dredge. And maybe, you know, moral questions of sacrificing the Dredge to rebuild the galaxy, but hey, like... No, no, that's definitely there.
1: And again, that's why I think you need the Xenomorph thing, because Xenomorphs specifically to talk about my beloved Alien franchise, are, are do not really have sentience beyond, like, killing and destroying. They're, they're mm. weapons of mass destruction. That's what they're designed for. That's And they have no possible idea of sentience beyond search and destroy, right?
0: Yeah, they're a little close to the Reapers from Mass Effect.
1: Yeah, where they're basically machines. They're, they're fleshy yeah. machines. Which is, like, that's why they're so fucking terrifying, because that's just, like... You know an oxymoron that shouldn't exist and like i don't know if the if the, the dreads were more defined that like that that would probably be a lot better i think for yeah. everyone involved
0: so i don't i don't know no that's no weird. it's a good
1: question it's a good question
0: um that's like the one thing that i think kind of fucks the movie up for me mm-hmm <laughs> And it's not, again, like, if you go into this movie and just want to watch some great animation, this is it. It's 90 fucking minutes. hmm You'll have a good time. You'll be upset that we don't make more animated films like this. Uh, but if you go looking for a good science fiction film, you're not gonna get it. I still think you get a pretty good science fiction film out of it. I think you
1: get a great animated film. You get
0: okay this. science fiction ideas in this movie, <laughs> but not a cohesive story see i still think it's a cohesive
1: story it's just like not that flushed out
0: yeah i i think it's more like because the the map on his hand operates very similar to the fucking staff of Ra and raiders of the lost ark oh yeah and i think it's a little similar to that of like going from location to location and new environments and stuff and less of a science fiction story (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you can see why a studio probably found that kind of story appealing yeah um but hey.
1: Hey, hey. Uh, some other stuff I just wanted to note. Uh, the music that was both originally composed for uh, the, like the orchestra score was also composed alongside the electronic rock bands. So all, every song you hear in this movie was specifically created for this movie, which kind of makes it even weirder because it doesn't feel like it was made for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh Don Bluth refers to it not as hard rock, but as soft rock because he wanted it to be like he wanted it to be timeless. And so he was going for more of like an eighties rock vibe. And I don't
0: I don't think that that happened. <laughs> Does rock as like score ever really work? You know, I, I think when they're
1: released, because it's mostly around the 2000s when they did that, I think no. But because of the passage of time, there's a real like it, it. It functions like as a timestamp, and there's a nostalgic quality to it now that was. Yeah, but if you before. didn't
0: like it then, why would you like it now? I don't know because I wouldn't. don't. I I can't think of an example that I like. I'm sure there is one, but I can't think of one.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then here's just a funny note when uh, they're talking about, like, the sound design of the dredge, because it's, like, multiple vocal things, right? They they actually found a guy, or they, they tried to find a guy who could, like, separate their voice into, like, two separate octaves, which I just thought was, like, insane. But apparently there's a guy who did that, who exists, and they couldn't get him for the project. <laughs> and then... Um, Gary Goldman was like, "Well, you know, I knew a guy who could sing like a whole chorus of ducks," and I was like, "What
0: the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means." What do you mean, like the disco duck? Remember disco duck? No. Someone making a singing a disco song with a duck voice.
1: <laughs> I want to hear this now, but no, I don't yeah. know
0: that. We got to talk about because, like, you know, we've been Twitter has been a. Uh, relitigating the disco sucks movement lately oh that's right yeah and pointing out that like yes it was definitely a response to uh black and queer artists dominating that music but we also have to remember that stuff like the disco duck was popular and like trending and maybe didn't help things (laughs) so everyone go look up disco duck and then hate yourself yeah
1: uh, and then just some last things. Hank Azaria and Lena Olin were announced to be in the in the film but they're nowhere to be found. So wow. I I think maybe uh uh Hank Azaria was probably like the Nathan Lane character or something or maybe I'm guessing like the, the, the Hank dude. Azaria
0: is uh the fucking bat from Anastasia. Mhm. So he was in that. Um I don't know, who knows why. I have no idea why uh voice acting choices get made anymore. Because <laughs> it's very clear not because of their voices.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. Because, again, some of these voices work really well. Like, I do really like Bill Pullman in this. Um, but Matt Damon's, like, very touch-and-go. Yeah. no well, I don't know. And I bet Lena Olin was going to be, like, the dredge queen. And then they just decided to do a weird vocal thing that didn't really require.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think there was a real effort to make the the dredge as alien as possible
1: yeah and i i'd say like of all the sci-fi stuff in this that works the best with the animation
0: yeah probably yeah um you want to talk about when fucking john leguizamo fake dies
1: yeah that fucked me up as a kid because i really like that character because that's the most like clearly kid-friendly character in the film
0: yeah but uh, watching it now as an adult, did you hate it as much as I did? <laughs> no, I like, I like Goon. No, but I didn't hate his character, but I hated the fake death and then he's back moment. Oh, okay. Like that, I don't know, that like really bugged me. Oh, okay, no, no, I, I like all that stuff. I finished my nap. Yeah, that's great. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> no, no, that,
1: that's that's a great little moment. That's a little cheerworthy moment. Yeah, not for me. All um. right. Know, um, and again we're talking me. about how like the film is basically like a bunch of scenes strung together like they all like flow into each other mostly but it's just like i wish there was more there because you get like every like beat of a necessary like arc you know yeah there's like a very like cynical versus optimistic viewpoint of the future and you know is the one guy who's like presenting an optimistic future but it's really a facade and then he has to learn to really embrace that optimistic future for the betterment of mankind and like i like all that stuff uh there's a lot of blood when he gets shot in space right before he sacrifices himself to save yeah. the titan like a lot of blood
0: motherfuck the blood nathan lane's character gets his neck broken and then thrown down a flight of stairs
1: yeah that's pretty rough um that's pretty crazy
0: yeah
1: <laughs> what, what what's happening there
0: <laughs> it just hey, it gets violent at the 11th hour no it is uh. it's very violent it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't fucking... That's the thing, it's one of these ones where you watch it, and then you kind of come away going, like, how did anyone think there was an audience for this? hmm Because there just really isn't, because the story isn't interesting enough to win over a more sophisticated office, uh, audience, I mean, and then... But then the subject matter is too dark and grim for children.
1: <laughs>
0: hmm And... I don't know maybe it's maybe they thought the script was good enough I don't fucking know yeah. and I think it needed to be something I think it needed to be about something more than just hope and despair and cynicism versus optimism I think the. I think it's too much I think Atlantis the Lost Empire also falls in that problem where it's an action movie basically but then the Central conflict of the characters are very kid movie, and I think those two elements en- end up being at odds. And the only guy who seems to be able to do that sometimes is like Miyazaki. Sometimes, yeah. Where he, but he can, but he can definitely make his animated films about headier ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like Princess
1: Mononoke is more than just like about like protecting nature. Like there's a yeah. fuck ton going on in that movie, you yeah. know. <laughs>
0: And it's and it, it and, and it doesn't come down like very clearly on one side or the other, mm-hmm. and let the it kind of trust the audience to figure it out. And that's something that uh, Western animation never really does.
1: Yeah, it's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, mean can you
0: imagine a studio like an American studio could never do Spirited Away. No, absolutely not. And in that, it would be like. Kid, you have to grow up, you know. Like that would be in the opening scene, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that's and then you're like, oh, that's what this movie's about. And this is, I think, Titan A needed that a little bit more sophistication to it, to at least justify its existence, (laughs) and maybe reach an audience. But again, I think maybe it's just a little too early to find that kind of audience. Yeah, I don't know. Like, 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 I
1: like your point about like if it was on like tsunami commercials prepping people for the movie, I think you're right. I think it would have found, like, its audience immediately. If not a a runaway hit, you know? But that just isn't the world we live in. And I think this is also a good time to point out that, like, you can have, like, a really well-structured story and script. Because I I bet this, like, reads really well. But just because you have, like, the three-act structure down to a T doesn't mean your film's going to be, like, immediately interesting or anything yeah. like that. I think... It, I didn't think about this before, but if it was live-action, I probably wouldn't be, like, as interested in this film as I have been in my life. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it, I think yeah, the it, animation it, really, like, kind of uh, makes it rise above, like, other cult classics for me.
0: If it was live-action, it would have to have, like, some really good or interesting special effects and cinematography to, like, have any note. Whereas... With animation, it kind of like it can do the animation itself can do a lot of the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's just I don't know. I want to really love this movie, but I just kind of can't. But I would still recommend it to people to watch at least once.
1: Well, I, I'm glad you at least feel that way. I will love it enough for the both of us. Okay, <laughs> I'll be that championing a, a future Blu-ray you. release, hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's not happening. Give it a um, decade. Sure. Fingers crossed. When, everyone, when there's only one Blu-ray player per state in the post-apocalypse.
1: <laughs> Alright, yeah. so two two thumbs up for Titan AE. <laughs>
0: yeah. From Siskel and Ebert. Actually, yes. <laughs> oh, no, Siskel, Siskel probably died before this came out.
1: Oh. oh no, that's Siskel. right. It was Ebert and Roper. Yeah. Oh.
0: What's Roper up to?
1: Extremely online. I assume so. Yeah. He got in trouble because he bought, like, uh, followers. Oh, did he? Yeah, and it's like, dude, you're you're not, like, Ebert, but you're Richard Roper. You didn't have to buy followers.
0: Yeah. Dude. The last time I remember hearing about him was that he got in a big fight with uh, DC Nerds because he gave BVS a bad review.
1: Yeah, but everyone got in a
0: fight with DC Nerds. Yeah, I, that's, like, the out. last I, I noted from him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, on that note matt where can the people find you i'm at emperor otn1 at twitter.com and i'm also on twitch and hey do we want to mention what we're doing next oh yeah the next one this is
1: kind of a big one um speed eraser the wachowski sisters speed eraser
0: and talk about animation
1: <laughs> yeah holy fuck we're gonna have a lot to say there is it positive or negative i don't know Let's leave the
0: audience in suspense because we're the type of assholes that could go either way.
1: Yep, well, you'll never know um, until you listen next week. And you can find me at the Diego Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press. I think, hold on.
0: I gotta say, I think everyone knows which way you're going to (laughs) go.
1: I don't know. You're not
0: a a man of mystery (laughs) when it comes to the Speed Racer movie. You,
1: You never know. You never know. And you can follow the Waffle Press on twitter youtube soundcloud spotify itunes and patreon we can get early access to the next episode uh maybe the last three if they're done by that point i'm, I'm hey, sure they hey. will be. we'll see i don't know and uh the legend of core retrospective go back and check that out i think that'll be wrapping up or at least done by the time this comes out so we will we'll, we'll see you there okay so have fun stay safe we have been <laughs> have professionally <fun. laughs> unprofessional i don't fucking know have
0: fun kids <laughs> i don't <know.
1: laughs> watch titan e Yeah. Bye now. (laughs) The
0: dredge wants you only dead. How do you know they want me dead? I happen to be humanity's
1: last great hope. I weep for the species. Titan A.E.